SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Manukora Honey. Merriam-Webster defines honey as a sweet, viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees. And that's all good and fine, but old Miriam and Webster (laughs) used some words that I don't know and didn't really hit the mark when it comes to talking about Manukora honey. First off, Manukora isn't just sweet and viscid. It's got a rich, complex taste and a creamy, melt-in-your-mouth texture that you won't find in your average, everyday grocery store honey. And nectar of flowers doesn't cut it when you're talking about the nectar of the Manuka tea tree in New Zealand. The only nectar these bees feed on in the production of Manukora honey. In conclusion, Manukora ain't just your average boring dictionary defined honey. It's special honey. I know this firsthand. Uh, they sent us a jar, a squeeze bottle, and some honey sticks. And we've been sharing them around the office of their MGO 850 Plus, their best selling honey. It's not the same. <laughs> it's not <laughs> what you're thinking of when you think of honey. Look, have you ever think to yourself, if like, a company made grapes for the first time, we'd go nuts. It's, I feel like honey is this way, where I'm like, if anybody like made this up, we'd be going out of our minds. But this is like if honey happened again. Did you like the honey, Sari? So I moved into a new place where there's no insulation in the walls. And so uh, I've been drinking a lot of tea. And mm-hmm. sometimes that tea needs a little bit of honey. And I initially poured in this honey thinking it was going to be grocery store honey. And then I was like, that's different. And now it's a little uh, breakfast treat. It's a great breakfast treat because it's 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 a little like it's for toast. I could put like this on my butter toast and I'm like, oh, I'm having an experience. So Merriam-Webster also defines ultimate as the best or most extreme of its kind. Now that one fits Manukora to a T. Indulge in the best or most extreme sweet viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees from Manukora. If you head to manukora.com slash tangents, you can get $25 off their starter kit, which comes with the MG850 Plus Manuka Honey, a free travel pack of honey sticks, a free wooden spoon, and also a free guidebook. That's M-A-N-U-K-O-R-A dot com slash tangents to get $25 off your starter kit. Welcome to SciShow Tangents, the lightly competitive knowledge showcase. I am your host, Hank Green, and joining me this week, as always, is science expert, Sari Riley. Hello. And (laughs) also our resident everyman, Sam Schultz. What's up? I have a question for you two that I would like to have a fight about. Uh Uh-oh. The question is, what is the best flower? I don't know any flower. You don't know any flowers? Roses. Look, Sam, have you walked around Missoula, Montana this week? It's amazing out there. I can see them. They don't have their name tags over them or nothing <laughs> like that. I don't know what they are. I don't really like flower smell, to be honest with you. Well, when it when the when the irises are up, you can come over to my house and I will stick your head in a bunch of irises. <laughs> And you'll change your mind. It's the best smell in the world. But anyway, I don't care what your favorite smelling flower is. That's just one part of a flower. Tell me a good flower. I don't even care if it's your actual favorite. I like bleeding hearts. They're nice. What's a daisy? That's mine, I guess. Wow. Is that a boring one? But no, it's nothing. You can It can be your favorite, but like care a little bit about <laughs> one of the greatest inventions of evolution. This is like... 
Flowers are one of the great joys of my life. I'm just surprised that Sam, a man who takes a lot of joy in a lot of things. We go, Rachel's really into plants right now. We go to the plant store every weekend or so. And she's like, oh, would you like to, you should pick one out too. And it's just, these are all green. They got leaves. This one's (laughs) purple. This one's like orange, but they're all kind of the same. (laughs) All right. Well, you know, Sam, I'm going to let you live your life. Thank you. And I'm going to say that maybe my favorite flower is the arrow leaf balsam root. (sighs) That's a stupid flower. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Only because it seems to be Catherine's favorite flower, though she hasn't said this to me. But every time we're anywhere where there's a balsam root, she's like talking about it. She's talking about it for like minutes. And I'm like, I mean, it's one of the flowers. There's (laughs) others around, but you like... She just loves them. Okay, every week here on SciShow Tangents, we get together to try to one-up amaze and delight each other with science facts, and we're going to try to do that to you as well. So we hope that you are amazed and delighted. We also will try to stay on topic and fail at that. Our panelists are playing for glory. They're also playing for Hank Bucks, which I will award as we play. And at the end of the episode, one of them will be crowned the winner. There will be no actual crowns. Now, as always, we introduce this week's topic with the traditional science poem. This week, it's from Sari. It's just as well that your favorite smell might be very hard to divine. Transfix nice. like a spell makes you yell, oh, hell, or relax and feel just fine. Take Whoa. an oaky smell, a smoky smell, a low-key, kind of choky, cough and croaky smell. A fire at night can be a delight, but the cloud of ash might not sit quite right. So take a sweet smell, real neat smell, heat up a treat that you want to eat smell. <laughs> Go to townie on a brownie, turn your frowny upside downy, but it <laughs> might not win the crownie of the county fair. So, take an old smell, a not-quite-mold smell, a tome bound with gold that never sold smell. Flip a page and you gauge the sage wisdom and the age, but it might be upstaged by something not kept in a cage. It's just as well that your favorite smell might be very hard to divine. But consider mine, the breeze of a pine, with a hint of brine in the soft sunshine. Ooh, it all entwines. So you're grounded in earth while you're on cloud nine. (laughs) Mary wins the episode that was amazing that was a Mary Poppins song (laughs) (laughs) Sari's like I haven't had I haven't done a poem in a while I gotta do a good one I'm gonna like make a children's book uh, ready to go (laughs) we just need an illustrator it did have a swear word in it so yeah we can change the hell (laughs) Uh, that was beautiful and our topic for the day is smell And I guess now that I'm thinking about it, I'm going to propose to you my definition of smell. It is a thing that we can detect through the receptors that connect to our olfactory nerves. Like that is basically it. Yeah, that's it. We're done. (laughs) Well, because it's a it's a it's a human thing. Like a smell doesn't exist outside of us. Yes, it does. Well, it has to be sensed by something for it to be a smell. Yeah. But there are things that we don't smell like nitrogen that we could smell if we had receptors for it, but we don't. And that's not a smell, even though it could be a smell if we smelled it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just trying to be as as eloquent as you just were in your poem and fail it. It's a smell before you smell it, just like a chemical. It's just one of many chemicals, and it's not necessarily a smell because it doesn't hit those Mm -hmm. receptors. And no, no one's there to interpret it. Right. And there are things that you can't smell because they're not hitting the receptors in your nose, like uh, a rock, because <laughs> it's a rock. You can't get in there. Sure. 
But there are also things that are getting there that aren't being detected. It makes me wonder if there is like a, like if there are systems that we have had to evolve to prevent ourselves from smelling the air. Mm. Because if we could smell the air, we couldn't smell anything else. There's too much of it. I think there's something evolutionarily to not smelling the fluid that the smell molecule is being carried Mm. in. So like fish can smell. Right. They have olfactory organs. For them, the molecules just travel through the fluid of water instead of the fluid of air and end up touching their olfactory receptors. So I imagine that fish also don't smell water constantly. And so in some Mm -hmm. evolutionary pathway, we didn't sense the medium that the thing is in. So we have a lot more olfactory sensors than we do taste buds. And so Mm -hmm. like our sense of smell is just so much more complex. And the fact that we can pull these particles, I guess we're not physically pulling them, but we're inhaling air and then detecting trace amounts of things. Whereas to taste something, we have to like stick it in our mouth and like place it on the taste buds <laughs> for it to be there. Uh-huh. Chemo sensation, which is like the umbrella term of taste and smell, we're just like sensing chemicals, evolved so weirdly and so precisely to be able to let us smell. And I think that's amazing. Yeah. And I'm glad because smelling is nice. Yeah, I was going to say, um, I love smelling stuff. Even stinky yeah. stuff is fun to smell, kind of. For a little bit, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Just to be like, ooh, I smelled that. Did you smell that too? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you lay one and you're like, wow. Uh-huh. <laughs> a little science miracle that you've cooked up for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Sari, did you find out anything interesting etymologically with regards to smell? <laughs> I think that this is the first word where there isn't a good etymological origin. Uh, The Oxford Mm. English Dictionary says, quote, no doubt of Old English origin, but not recorded and not represented in any of the cognate languages. So one day we just started saying smell. Well, it makes me think that like it was something that it was like a slang term that we stuck with. Mm. Mm -hmm. Like maybe that's just the word we had for fart. And then we just like it became all smells. Oh, no. I hope not. Well, that means it's time to move on to our quiz portion of the show. This week we're doing... Blast from the past, another Are you ready? I have three facts for you. One of them is true. Two of them are lies. They're all smell facts because smell is a very important part of how we experience the world. And so we have been making smells and things that smell and things that don't smell for a while. And with more knowledge about how we define and experience smell, scientists and engineers have developed tools and technologies to enhance our experience of scent. The following are three creations of smell science, but only one of them is a true creation of smell science. Fact number one, scientists applied drops of scent molecules that cover the whole spectrum of smell onto an absorbing pad, and then they placed the pad into a sniff jar to create a special vapor. Because it kind of contains the whole spectrum of smell, while white contains the whole spectrum of light, they call this olfactory white. And people say that it ta- it smells neither good nor bad, which oh. is, I guess, what you would think. <laughs> Wait, it's a smell that smells yes. like everything at once. Is that basically? It doesn't what? smell like everything at once. It just smells like nothing in particular. Uh, okay. 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 <laughs> you know how if you like go to and you put all the sodas in one cup yeah. at the Burger King? Yeah. Um, and then it's like that doesn't taste like any particular soda, but it but no matter which ones you put in, it always tastes like that. Uh-huh. That's like soda white. And this uh, would be smell white. Thank you for putting it in terms I understand. <laughs> <laughs> 
Fact number two, scientists mixed together a nasal spray made from unscented odor receptor antagonists. These are chemicals that can temporarily disable or blind your odor receptors and block them from taking in other odors. And when injected into the nose, the spray acts like a kind of smell blindfold to protect the user from unsavory smells. Or fact number Three, scientists decided that they wanted to create the rosiest rose smell, so they mixed together a bunch of key scents from different roses until they made a rose smell so rosy smelling that 95% of people chose that are that that like rosy smell that they created from a, uh, when they asked them to pick out the rose smell from a lineup of what turned out to be rose smells. So they were all different roses, but they picked the one that they had created as the rosiest rose. So the three different facts I have for you are one, we have olfactory white, a smell that contains smells from all over the smell spectrum. Two, a nasal spray that can block out unsavory smells. Or three, scientists making the rosiest rose that people pick when asked to pick out a rose from a lineup of roses. (sighs) Yeah, I don't know. I I truly don't have... Like, like sometimes I get a scientific fo- foothold in a truth or fail question. This, I know nothing. I can't smell very good. I don't know very much about noses. And <laughs> these all sound realistic. Uh, I really like the idea of a smell blindfold, though. That seems like it would come in. That one seems like it would come in handy. And the rest of them are just like, well, who cares? But maybe, <laughs> maybe it's so handy that it couldn't possibly be true. Yeah, that my brain went through that whole thing too. Oh, <laughs> I was like, that one sounds the most useful. Like something that people would actually spend time and money researching mm-hmm. is like antagonists for your nose receptors. But your brain must work way faster than mine because it took me that long for my brain to like work <laughs> it all out. How do you do it without saying all of it out loud? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just don't talk very much, and my brain just goes <laughs> all the time. <laughs> oh no. I'm the exact, like, actually the exact opposite. (laughs) (laughs) Because I truly don't have anything more to talk about. I'm just going to say, I'm going to say the rosiest rose because it seems like Mm. something that scientists would do to prove that they could and be like, ha ha, we did it. And maybe sell it to a perfume company or something like that. Yeah. I think I also might go for the rosiest rose because it just seems like it would make a good headline that then after Mm. you thought about for a second, you'd be like, so what? (laughs) oh yeah okay i'm locked in i guess that's the uh the constant battle of the sideshow script where it's (laughs) like this sounds interesting until you start to write the script and then you're like actually this is dumb but anyway (laughs) that was not the true fact uh you both got it wrong it was also not the nasal spray blindfold you were correct that if that was the thing that existed you probably would have heard of it because people would want to buy it. Yeah. Uh, it was, in fact, olfactory white. Damn. Weird. That one sounded the fakest. I know. It totally sounds the fakest. I'm sorry. I made it too hard for you. I tried to tried to make it a little less fake sounding by introducing the soda concept. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so olfactory white. The, one of, my favorite thing about olfactory white is is no one can explain to you what it smells like. So they ask a bunch of people what it smelled like. And see, here are four adjectives used to describe <laughs> olfactory white. Fruity. Okay. Huh. Perfumery. Oh. Okay. So perfumey is just like it smells like smells. But also medicinal and oh. soapy. And you're like, what? What? 
So they mixed together uh, different numbers of, of different kinds of scent molecules. So they were like, they were actually scent molecules that like represent different receptors in the nose. They're trying to like make sure that it's basically just completely overwhelming your system. Because one of the cool things about smell is that you, if you, you can smell one c- compound because it's binding to multiple scent receptors. And so the signal isn't, I've bound to the lilac receptor. It's I've bound to like these four or five receptors and all of those combined is the lilac smell because only the lilac chemical binds to those five different receptors. Super cool and weird. So they would use up to uh, 40 different chemicals and different mixtures to create this thing. If If you mixed all of them together, everything would start to smell similar no matter which chemicals you were mixing together. Wow. So they they were like, that must be white then, I guess. <laughs> but you can't like buy it. I was trying to figure out how to sniff this sniff. I wanted to smell it. I want to smell it real bad. But there's not even anybody I could talk to. Like, What do you mean? Yeah. Forbidden smell? They buried it For- under the ocean or what? That's right. I mean, I just didn't find like an email address. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> it's too powerful for any nose to behold. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, and I wonder, like, if it's like everything smells really bad, if you could just like toss some olfactory white in and be like, well, everything smells fine. Yeah. Not good, not bad. Uh, and then as far as smell blindfolds, this isn't a thing that we have been able to create yet. I don't know that people have been tr- trying. Like, it seems like the people would be trying maybe, but like mm. anosmia, when you can't smell at all, it's not done because the receptors are like binded to. It's because like the nerve, the nerve structure gets broken down by usually some disease. Huh or chemical exposure. And then uh, the rose thing I just ma- made up. The bokeh made, and I, and I made it up together. Well, it's lovely. <laughs> it's just, just 100% fake. <laughs> so well, you, picked, you picked the one that we picked to sound real, I guess. Yeah, yeah, you're both very smart people, so yeah. I don't feel that bad for falling for it. Uh-uh. <laughs> so we are headed into the break with a score of zero to zero. It all hinges on the fact off. Though. I will say Sarah has a slight advantage because of that poem. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Rocket Money. If I asked you how many subscription services you had, you think you could name them all? And before you just start naming streaming apps, remember that basically everything has a subscription these days. Video games, dating apps, food delivery apps. It's a subscription service world. We're just living in it. And with all of these subscriptions, it can feel like money is just flying out of your account. And that, frankly, sucks. But Rocket Money can help. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money can help you negotiate to lower some bills for you by up to 20%. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in total canceled subscriptions. Escape from the planet of the subscription services and stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash tangents. That's rocketmoney.com slash tangents. Rocketmoney.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S. SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Factor, whose ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning. Stress is stressful. (laughs) I don't like it. (laughs) Life just goes and goes, and it doesn't ever stop going. There's always something else to do. And one of those things 
is a very important thing called eating dinner. To eat dinner, one must pick out what they want to eat and then go to the grocery store and then buy the stuff and then chop the stuff and do other things to the stuff. You have to heat the stuff and put it in water. And then afterwards, you have to take the things that you heated it in and they're gross and you have to make them clean again. Meanwhile, life is still happening. That all, all that's building up around you. Oh, this is like terrifying. I'm so, <laughs> I never want to cook again. <laughs> You're right. Factor ad. I don't, I don't want to have this happen. This is unacceptable. <laughs> Sometimes, uh, parentheses, all the time, uh, you just don't have the time or the energy for meal planning on top of everything else going on in your life. So thankfully, Factor is here to help. Factor's two-minute meals are your secret weapon come mealtime. You can get chef-crafted meals that are better for you and better tasting than takeout delivered right to your door. Ready to heat and ready to eat. No prep, no mess, no sink full of dishes, no stress. We're kicking stress out the door in 2024, and I certainly hope that's true for me. <laughs> Heck yeah, Factor. Kick my stress. Right out the door. <laughs> I'm going to get a chest freezer just for these meals. <laughs> oh, you're going to need one because they have over 35 meals to choose from. Flexible ordering options, add-ons, smoothies. Factor offers all sorts of fast, simple solutions when you're too busy to cook. Banish your stress, even if it's just for like one hour while you're eating dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash tangents50 and use code tangents50 to get 50% off. That's code tangents50 at factormeals.com slash tangents50 to get 50% off. Welcome back, everybody. It's time for the Fact Off. Our panelists have both brought in science facts in an attempt to blow my mind. And after they have presented the facts, I will judge them and award their Hank Bucks any way I see fit. And to decide who goes first, I have a trivia question. It is that bloodhounds are famous for scent tracking and their noses that do such a good job of that. But bears have a better sense of smell than bloodhounds. Mm. How much stronger is the average black bear's sense of smell than a bloodhound's? It's probably something big. I'm going to guess 500 mm. times bigger. Better smell? Okay. I'll say 50. The answer, and you guys got to remember, the answer is always five. But in this case, it's <laughs> well, seven. But oh. if you'd guessed five, you would have been very close. <laughs> but the answer is seven. Seven times more powerful than a, than a bloodhound. Huh. Which makes me wonder, why do I keep surprising them? Just leave when I'm nearby. <laughs> well, I guess bloodhounds have one job. That's to sniff stuff. But bears have a lot of other things going on. They're thinking about other They're stuff. Occupied, yeah. yeah. The other the other thing is that like this this whole way of of comparing isn't isn't one to one. So like bloodhounds can smell some things better than bears can smell them. Mm -hmm. But overall, bears can smell like there is seven times more sensitivity just in terms of the density of their nervous system i think how does is, is that they, they, is that how they track it they look I think at that so. kind of thing okay yeah they look at like how much of their nervous system is actually like devoted to smelling stuff hmm. which we have much less of but there are some things that we can smell better than a bloodhound can like beets right is that one of them yeah <laughs> like beets for some reason uh anyway that means that sam gets to go first or okay. choose who goes first i think i will go first so you know in the movie you're at a when I do. 
uh, Ratatouille. I, kept, brave, I watched it recently. The brave little mouse chef, Ratatouille. He's sniffing some soup. His name is not Ratatouille. Yes, Ratatouille the mouse. <laughs> he's sniffing some soup and he's like, oh, this has tomatoes in it and oregano in it. That's something he does in Ratatouille, correct? He knows all the stuff from smelling it. But in real life, rats can also discern incredibly specific and complicated things from smells. But they ain't just smelling if soup has oregano in it. They are smelling concepts. So rats are known to share food, as seen in the movie Ratatouille, when Ratatouille shares food with all his friends. (laughs) His name is is Remy and he's a rat, just for clarity. You also called Remy a mouse earlier, which I couldn't even focus on. (laughs) So one way they communicate their need for food is with solicitation behaviors, which includes mostly like specific calls and gestures. Mm. However, rats are also known to pretend to be hungry and do these solicitation behaviors to try to trick other rats into giving them food. Uh, But according to a study in 2020, rats have a way to suss out if their friend is starving to death or just trying to steal food from them. Uh, They placed rats, so they placed two rats in two smell-proof boxes right next to each other. And one of the rats had a little pulley in its box that was attached to a food tray that if he pulled it, it would go to the other rat's box and give him food. So the two rats couldn't smell each other, but the researchers pumped in the smell of a rat from a different room, and that rat was either very hungry or had just been fed. So when they pumped in the smell of the well-fed rat, the, the rat that was smelling the smell would get around to pulling the tray to help his friend eventually. And it would like kind of lazily pull it like two minutes later. Then if they pumped in the hungry rat smell, mm. then the rat would immediately start pulling and it would pull harder and faster on the pulley to get its friend the food. Wow. And they weren't just smelling food on the full rat's breath or something like that either because they used mass spectrometry. And the researchers identified seven different compounds that are released in more abundance by hungry rats than full rats. But (laughs) being hungry, maybe that seems like a pretty straightforward condition and maybe it doesn't seem too weird that you'd be able to smell hungry. But what if you could smell if someone was being helpful? So in a very similar experiment, also done in 2020, but unrelated completely as far as I could tell, researchers found evidence that rats can smell helpfulness in other rats. So they were put in the same exact setup, basically, both in two rats in two different boxes, one with a pulley attached to a food tray. But instead of pumping hungry rat smell in, they pumped in the smell of a rat in a different box in a different room that was helping another rat get food. So it was pulling the pulley. <laughs> And then when the rat smelled the helpful rat smell, it would trigger that rat to pull its pulley and help its friend. This article was paywalled, so I couldn't figure out like all the mass spectrometry stuff on this one <laughs> or if they had determined exactly how much faster they were pulling the pulley. But mm-hmm. I got to imagine that there were some helpfulness stink particles coming off of the helpful rat. So researchers say these findings could be applied to lots of other animals to help us figure out like complicated social interactions that we don't know about, or it could help us understand some ways that humans perceive the world that we like maybe don't think about the sense of smell as being associated with social interactions too much. And if they make Ratatouille too, maybe they can have a scene where Ratatouille uh, can smell how disappointed his dad is in him. (laughs) (laughs) That was, that's very weird and very cool. It's, it's weird that like a rat, I mean, I guess it's not, I guess it makes sense that like, if you're being helpful, you want to 
have a way to transmit that information Mm -hmm. versus when you're being antagonistic. Mm -hmm. You know, you wouldn't, you'd want to deceive about that if you were an antisocial species. But if you're a social species, you kind of want everybody to be on the same page. And rats and and mice are very, very social. It's super cool. Yeah, it makes me think of like, if you had an antisocial species, are we going to find out in a couple hundred years that uh, like cuckoo birds while they're kicking eggs out of the nest are like secreting helpful or like mm-hmm. oh, gentle no. nose yeah. smells. So it's like, don't worry as they're like murdering baby <laughs> it's birds. It's okay, mom. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need babies. <laughs> yeah. I hope that I, that I, uh, emit helpful smells. I think it'd be really sad if you put me in a box and then a rat started stealing food from another rat, then that would <laughs> reinforce everything my therapist says is not true about me. <laughs> I mean, a Zoom call is a perfect analogy for this research where you should have a bunch of like people in a Zoom call and then you should pump in the smell of a helpful human and see if they treat each other nicer. Because now we're having all these social interactions where we don't get to sniff each other's smells. And so who knows what's happening to our brains? We're not being as nice to each other. We're not helping each other get to food as easily as we would (laughs) otherwise. We're not pushing trays of cheese toward each other. It's a disaster. Well, Sari, what are you going to do to trump Sam's friendly, smelly rats? Sam really brought out the science this week. Uh, Mine is more of a Sam story, I think, this time. What's that supposed to mean? (laughs) (laughs) Like straightforward and snappy. Okay, so like us, non-human animals need play and some things to exercise their brains, also known as enrichment. And I feel like we often see this in the form of physical toys, or at least I think of it this way, like balls or jungle gyms or chew toys. But a big part of enrichment can also be new smells. For example, big cat caretakers like lions, tigers, or jaguars often spritz essential oils, perfumes, or colognes Mm. to give the cat something to sniff and consider. The cats even rub their cheeks on objects like house cats might do for a catnip spray to rub their scent on an object or get a scent that they like on their faces. And it turns out one scent that a lot of big cats seem to love is Calvin Klein obsession for men. Hashtag not sponsored. (laughs) And biologists think that the main component of this cologne that makes big cats obsess over it is civet oil. Civets are a viverid, mm. which are a small to medium size, kind of cat-like, kind of weasel-like mammal. Uh, binturongs are in this family, too. And uh, Bizarre Beast did a whole episode on their smelly butts. But civets produce a musky oil from their perineal glands near their butt that humans have harvested for flavors and perfumes for a while, like many animal substances. And specifically, the smelly organic molecule in civets is called civetone, and Now we can produce it synthetically from palm oil, um, so we're not just harvesting from them. And I'm not sure whether Calvin uses the artificial or natural one, but it's in there. Civitone is definitely in obsession. Hmm. Uh, And when big cats smell civitone, they go wild, maybe because they're often predators of civets and think Mm -hmm. they smell food, but also they rub their faces all over it. So maybe it has to do with rubbing to take over a territorial marking and civetone smells Mm. like a civet marking territory. And besides olfactory enrichment, this is also really useful for researchers in the field because sometimes they have to set up cameras to capture rare species or behaviors and a spritz of Calvin Klein's obsession for men 
It was the preferred attractant for jaguars to a research site in Nicaragua in, I think, 2013. So they had troubles getting jaguar to the research site. They would spritz it on a tree branch, and then the jaguars would come and rub and, like, be on camera Whoa. for a long enough time to get captured. Maybe they just want to smell sexy. I mean, well, the the great thing, so one of the things that that is often overlooked in science is that you have to, like, work with what you got to a certain extent. And also, it's like you want your experiment to be repeatable. So if you're saying, like, okay, here's how to make the attractant that we made, and there's, like, a long procedure, and, like, you could mess it up, or you can't get all the materials, mm-hmm. and, like, where do you get civitone? That's a huge problem. Like, it's it's not just, like, a pain in the butt. Like, it might make it impossible to replicate your science. But if it's, like, go on Amazon and order Calvin Klein's Obsession for Men, <laughs> anybody can do that. And it's, like, the same price, and it's, uh, like, it's completely achievable, and it works. Mm-hmm. This is—I loved this. Sam, I loved yours. God damn it. What am I going to do? So we have from Sam, rats can smell concepts. They can smell hunger. They can smell helpfulness. And that's amazing. But Sam constantly called Remy the ratatouille or something. (laughs) And also called Remy a mouse. Uh And Sari discovered that big cats are attracted to the scent of Calvin Klein's obsession for men (laughs) because it contains some kind of civet oil. And look... I think that Sam's fact is 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 slightly better, but, but Sari's poem was amazing, uh, and also Sam insulted Remy, and so I'm going to make it a tie. Oh, <laughs> okay. that's a better outcome than I was expecting. So, <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going down for Remy Ratatouille, <laughs> yeah, for personal vendetta. <laughs> Congratulations to the both of you, and that means it's time to ask the science couch, where we've got. Listener questions for our virtual couch of finely honed scientific minds. It's from at might be Joe and at MX Demo Unicorn. <laughs> Is there any particular reason that smells seem to have the strongest ability to generate sensory memories? This is definitely true. It is like observably true, and it's certainly in me and also in people I've talked to before. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a real thing, and I have heard. I've heard that there's like a like the brain regions are nearby to each other, but I have only like seen that on sort of like a surface level headline way. I haven't read any actual research about it. So brain regions is definitely the right direction. And for all that we don't know about smells, it seems like we we are pretty sure we have some steps towards understanding why this is. So when we smell, the chemical particle binds to something that gets transmitted to the olfactory bulb in your brain. And the signals are carried from there, I think because it's nearby, to the amygdala, which controls emotions or generally is involved with emotions, and the hippocampus, which is generally involved in learning and memory. Hmm. But non-smell senses, so like sight and taste, first go to the thalamus, which acts like a switchboard for the rest of the brain before going Mm. into the emotion and memory centers and like the the scent specific part of the brain to be processed. So scent has like a more direct path to a region that is nearby and interconnected with emotion and memory. That's wild. So that makes me think 
that those structures evolved at different times? Probably. I don't know. I I do not feel like I can confidently say expertly in this region, but yeah. like chemosensation was one of the earliest things that had to have hmm. evolved. It's yeah. just like, oh, I'm going to respond some, to some chemicals and mm-hmm. smell because it's so complicated, feels like it evolved first and and has built up layers of complexity right. compared to other senses. I will still occasionally smell somebody who wears like my high school girlfriend's perfume and be like, stop that. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's not bringing back good memories. Oh, no. <laughs> well, like that, that is interesting aspect of it too. And this gets into like the neuroscience of memory, but it seems like oftentimes in studies, smells bring back an emotional response more so than the memory. And so Mm. you have like a visceral, like, oh, this is Mm -hmm. comforting or, oh, this is bad or, oh, this is like weird rather Mm -hmm. than being transported back to like a very specific moment of like, Mm. this is when for the first time my grandma pulled chocolate chip cookies out of the oven. And so Mm -hmm. that was interesting to me where we talk about scent as being linked to memory, but it's really linked to emotion. And then that gets us back to like a cluster of memories. Cool. If you want to ask your question to the science couch, you got to follow us on Twitter at SciShow Tangents. We there, we tweet out topics for upcoming episodes every week. Thank you to at a happily at Jeff Lewis and everybody else who tweeted us your questions this episode. You can also follow SciShow Fangents. Yeah. Which is our fan (laughs) Twitter. I, that I love. If you like this show and you want to help us out, it's very easy to do that. First, you can go to patreon.com slash scishowtangents to become a patron. You can also leave a review wherever you listen. That helps us know what you like about the show and helps other people know what you like about the show. Finally, if you want to show your love for SciShow Tangents, just tell tell people people about about us. us. Thank you for joining us. I've been Hank Green. I've been Sari Riley. And I've been Sam Schultz. SciShow Tangents is created by all of us and produced by Caitlin Hoffmeister and Sam Schultz, who edits a lot of these episodes. Our social media organizer is Paola Garcia Prieto. Our editor Editorial assistant is Deboki Chakravarti. Our sound design is by Joseph Tuna Medish, and we couldn't make any of this without our patrons on Patreon. Thank you, and remember, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be lighted. But one more thing. Indole is a molecule that often gets added to perfumes and chocolates because of its fruity smell. But in large amounts, it actually smells like poop because it's a chemical that's in poop. What the? It's in our poop specifically. It's not completely clear why small amounts smell good and large amounts smell not good, but that is the case. Oh, dear. I don't like that. I have also read that American chocolate has a chemical in it that is found in vomit. Like... Mm-hmm. But that other places don't have this. So there's like a, a slightly like acidic mm. taste to our chocolate. So we like poopy, barfy chocolate. <laughs> yeah, I think that's caprylic acid or caproic acid. One of the goat-like acids because it's like goaty smell slash vomit <laughs> slash uh, armpit sweat, etc. Just yum, all the yum. good stuff. <laughs> Honestly, I, I get it. I get it. I get it too. You take a, you take a funk in the right amount and suddenly it's mm-hmm. good. Sometimes when you eat a fancy chocolate, you're just like, this ain't stanky enough. You waving to a child over there? Yes, my son just walked into my office. (laughs) Give him a mic. What's his favorite smell? Oren, come here. What's your favorite smell, Oren? Lilac. Oh. Oh.
He that's just a, said what? That's a good smell. It's lilac. That's, that's a, a great good smell. One. Not even any hesitation. No, no hesitation at all. Must have been sniffing lilacs earlier today. Were you, bud? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, where is where's Mama? Did she say you could come in here? I just decided. You just decided. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I gotta get rid of him. He's getting on the drum set. <laughs>